This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Nightline. Tonight, air scares from a passenger attack on a cross-country flight to smoke in the cabin. Extreme turbulence and clipped wings. Just how safe are the skies? On any given day, 45,000 flights in the U.S. We've gone 14 years without fatal commercial passenger accident. And the wisdom from one pilot who pulled off a miracle. We make it look easy, but it's not. It's hard. It requires diligence and dedication. Plus, Adam Lambert, a breakout American Idol star with Bohemian Rhapsody. Life is just begun. More than a decade ago, now holding out for a hero. A new album of reimagined hits. His trailblazing path and message for his younger self. What do you want them to know that you didn't know when you were 10 or 12? And holy hey, millions feeling the love at the Hindu Festival of Colors. Nightline will be right back. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. It's been a bumpy stretch for air travel. Everything from unruly passengers and unexpected emergencies to alarmingly close calls. And earlier today, lawmakers demanded answers from the acting FAA administrator. How safe are we when we step on a plane? Here's ABC's transportation correspondent, Gio Benitez. I'm taking over this plane. This is the moment a routine flight turned terrifying. I will kill every man on this plane. On United Flight 2609 from Los Angeles to Boston. This is going to be a bloodbath everywhere. Authorities say a passenger tried to open an emergency exit. Soon after, the suspect is seen rushing down the aisle holding this metal spoon, which investigators say he turned into a weapon while in the bathroom. In another incident on Monday, a brawl breaking out between two men on a Southwest flight before it took off from Dallas to Phoenix. Other passengers attempting to separate the men. This video showing one of the men trying to explain what he says happened. He approached me aggressively with my family. I don't play with my family. Tell him what happened. Tell him what you did. Witnesses say both men were removed from the plane. These incidents and more, the latest in a string of alarming events in the skies, leaving some passengers anxious, fearing for their safety. I think that the average American is probably wondering what is going on. At least six close calls here. Does the FAA have a grasp on the situation? The, the FAA absolutely has a grasp on this situation, and it's something that we look at every day. And I can tell you that the system is strong, is safe, and resilient. We've, we operate the most complex airspace system in the world. We are here today to measure... While the top job at the FAA has been vacant for almost a year, today in D.C., the acting FAA administrator addressing these concerns before Congress. We've gone 14 years without fatal commercial passenger accident. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, yeah. knock on steel. We don't take it for granted. Flying remains incredibly safe. Still, these recent incidents have touched a nerve. This Southwest flight to Florida, the cabin filling with smoke and panic. Passengers evacuating after a bird strike. 
Extreme turbulence, terrifying passengers. The moments of you kind of think, please God, just let me get out of this. This Lufthansa flight suddenly dropping a thousand feet during dinner service, sending objects flying and a flight attendant reportedly hitting the ceiling. Susan Zimmerman was on the flight. I'm five months pregnant, so I was honestly thinking I'm never going to meet my daughter. And on the ground, at least two recent instances of planes bumping into each other. Earlier this week at Logan Airport, two United planes clipped wings as one was pushing back from a gate. And in February, this plane's wing clipped on the tarmac at Newark Airport. All of a sudden, you hear and feel a jolt. Add to that a number of recent near misses on the nation's runways. JFK Airport, a Delta plane coming within seconds of crashing into an American Airlines plane that was crossing the wrong runway. In Florida, the NTSB is investigating after air traffic controllers cleared an American Airlines plane to land on the same runway an Air Canada flight was taking off from. The FAA says the planes were close to 3,100 feet from each other when the American flight began its climb out. Also last month, a frightening close call after a Learjet took off without clearance from the tower as a JetBlue plane was preparing to land on an intersecting runway. Investigators say the JetBlue pilot took evasive action as the Learjet crossed that runway. All this and more, putting a renewed spotlight on aviation safety. What we are actually doing is pushing a tube filled with people through the upper atmosphere, seven or eight miles above the Earth. We make it look easy, but it's not. It's hard. It requires diligence and dedication to ensure that best practices are adhered to on every hour of every flight, every day, every week, every month, every year for decades-long careers. Let's talk about the close calls that we've been seeing. Does that concern you when you see at least six close calls so close to each other, right, just within months' time? The same issue is happening when they're working pilots to the, to the highest number of hours that they can possibly work them to. The entire system has been stretched thin because the government has not consistently funded all of these programs, and the airlines uh, that are private employers have cut costs wherever they can. Sarah Nelson is the president of the Association of Flight Attendants and has been a United flight attendant for over 25 years. The number of reported incidents with unruly passengers have dropped by about 80% since record highs in early 2021. But violent incidents have been steady. Flight attendants are still on the front lines of any mid-air emergency. When you're in the air, there's no way to call for help. There's no way to pull over. There's no way to run away. Um, there's nowhere to go. And there's fewer of us on the plane than ever before. So I'm angry. Why does it make you so emotional? Every day when flight attendants come to work, we're not only reminded that we're aviation's first responders, but we're also aviation's last line of defense. Stop taking over this plane. The suspect on that flight from Los Angeles to Boston, Francisco Torres, allegedly attempting to stab a crew member in the neck three times with a spoon, but thankfully only hitting the shirt collar and tie. Person is detained, uh, attempted uh, opening of a uh, External door, emergency door. According to witnesses, about five people jumped and tackled the suspect, saying they pulled the broken spoon out of his hand. The group of passengers and flight attendants holding him down, using zip ties to restrain him. FBI agents boarding the plane as soon as it landed, taking Torres into custody. 
United Airlines thanking the quick action of our crew and customers, adding no serious injuries were reported. Someone who threatens the safety and security of passengers on an airplane has forfeited their privilege to fly and should be banned from flying. With so much recent turmoil in the skies, proper training of the crew and pilots now more important than ever. What are those tools that we need? Flight attendants need to have enough restraining devices on board. They need to have enough uh, staffing to be able to respond to these issues, identify them early enough to try to contain them. We also need to have that mandatory crew member self-defense training so that we can respond very quickly, so that we have, we're trained in how to have that um, memory response. Captain Sully Sullenberger says his decades of training helped avert disaster. I just saw the big splash when the plane just bounced over the water. When he and First Officer Jeff Skiles had just 208 seconds to execute a water landing in the Hudson River after a bird strike took out both engines. You would have thought that Jeff and I had been working together like that for years, but in fact, we'd only known each other for three days. We had to be interchangeable. We had a combined 50 years, half a century, of airline experience. So we were extraordinarily experienced that day. All 150 passengers and five crew members survived. Got to give it to the pilot, man. He, helped, he made a hell of a landing. Now Captain Sullenberger is pushing to ensure every pilot has the crucial training to handle almost any emergency. Pilots have an awesome responsibility to uh, keep their passengers and crew safe. I'm reminding everyone involved. FAA, airlines, pilots, flight attendants, others, that we must not be complacent. As safe uh, as air travel has become, uh, we must keep on working even harder to try to make it safer. Do you feel safe in the skies? Well, I love flying. <laughs> and I know that we have built the safest mode of transportation in the world. But I also know that we've stretched this to the limit. Our thanks to Gio. Up next, Adam Lambert on his new album and his reflections on getting older in the music industry. Things I once enjoyed Just keep me employed now Things I'm Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. Lambert has a style all his own, even when he's singing someone else's song. That talent is on full display in his new album. 
He also has a lot to say about what's changed in the industry since he first took the American Idol stage. Adam Lambert, welcome to Nightline. Thank you for having me. We are honored to have you on the show. We want to talk about your new album, High Drama. I listened to it, all of it last night. It's, it spoke to me. It's really beautiful work. This collection of modern day classics, I call, that you reimagine in the only way that you know how. Uh, Why did you choose to do this album this way? The idea came up to do this cover album, and I thought, um, what a nice challenge to be able to take songs that most of which people know. Um, there's a couple obscure ones as well. but And then really figure out a way to kind of bring them into my reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I picked songs where the storytelling in them were things that I could relate to for my own life. But on a sonic level, taking them and trying to rework them, I had so much fun in the studio putting it together. Yeah. I definitely think that the share performance that I did uh, at the Kennedy Center Honors where I took Believe, her hit from the late 90s, and I turned it into a ballad. I think that got such a lovely response from people that that was another thing that inspired the project. Ah, Well, let's take a look and a listen to one of the new tracks, Holding Out for a Hero. What led you to people like Bonnie Tyler and others like Pink and Billie Eilish? You know, I'm always drawn to artists that are individuals, that mm. kind of march to the beat of their own drum. Um, those people were the first on my list to look at their catalog. With Billie, actually, interestingly enough, I, I avoided doing one of her big hits because I discovered her song, Getting Older. And it's such an amazing mm. lyric that totally nails the feeling of growing up no matter how old you are. It has this really universal... Uh, sort of reflection on what it's like to grow up and sort of leave certain things behind. Now, you're having a wonderful career. For the past few years, you've toured as the lead singer of Queen. Mm. What's that been like? That's, I mean, what a treat. I performed Bohemian Rhapsody on the American Idol mm-hmm. audition. I'm glad I picked that song because <laughs> it worked out right, well. Right, right. They, they saw it and they were invited to perform on the, uh, the finale with me, uh, Brian May and Roger Taylor. Yeah. And I think the rest is history. In 2012, your album, Trespassing, became the first album to reach number one in both the U.S. and Canada by an openly gay artist. Um, How have you seen queer representation evolve uh, in your industry, and where do you think it goes next? It's come a long way. Um, You know, when I got onto the music scene after American Idol, when I was signed to a label, it was a bit of an obstacle course. It was like flying blind a bit. Mm. But I I do feel like... um, I was part of a wave of, oh, yeah. of people at that point in 2009 that were really pushing things forward. So yeah. in the past 13 years since you know my first time out on the scene, all of a sudden you're seeing more and more artists that are representing mm. the queer umbrella. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I think people really want to see themselves reflected in what they listen to, what they watch. That's why we do what we do is yeah. to connect with yeah. our audience. Queer artists appeal to everybody. They don't necessarily only appeal to queer audiences. Um, And that kind of crossover thing, I think, has been a big turning point. I mean, you look at artists like Lil Nas X, who's killing it, 
amazing. Sam Smith, amazing. Kim Petras at the Grammys, they did really well. And there's a whole list of artists now that are out on the scene. So it's, it's exciting. You, you've talked about in the past how during that difficult stretch, you got through with the support of family and friends. I'm curious, do young artists or emerging artists reach out to you now and say, how do I navigate this? I have a foundation called the Feel Something Foundation uh, that I started a couple years ago. And we partnered up recently with Music Cares, uh, which is the uh, charity associated with the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a lot of amazing outreach uh, uh, things. And what I asked them to do was um, help me host a brunch for queer people in music. Hmm. Um, not only artists themselves, but a lot of songwriters are also identifying as hmm. queer and producers. And when I first started, even behind the scenes, there weren't a lot of queer people in music. So because that's changed so much, I'm, I'm actually working towards building um, like a program where um, queer artists can kind of network with each other mm-hmm. and sort of air our grievances and support each other. What else can we expect in years to come? Well, I am busy, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> for me, it's all about projects, mm-hmm. creative projects. And um, I just was in a film called Fairyland that premiered at uh, Sundance, uh, produced by Sofia Coppola. That mm-hmm. was amazing. I'm voicing um, an animated series for DreamWorks that comes out next year. Um, I'm making more music. I'm writing a musical. Uh, really? Which I've been working on since the beginning of the pandemic. Say more? Well, I'm not ready to give away what it's necessarily about yet, okay. but I can say that it takes place in the 70s. It's based on a true story. Mm. Uh, it takes place in New York City. Uh, and it's very rock and roll, glam, queer, all the things that I hold near and dear to my heart. What would you want the... 10-year-old version of you to think, to feel when they see your success, see you. What do you want them to know that you didn't know when you were 10 or 12? I think if I wanted to talk to a younger version of myself, I would probably shoot for a little older. I would probably Mm. want to talk to 17-year-old Adam. Mm. I think that was a more tricky kind of confusing time for me. Um, you know, it was the 90s. I was closeted, dealing with that, mm. kind of coming to terms with my, my identity. I think I would tell myself at that age, you know, it's all going to work out. Yeah. And, and I would also tell myself, you'll be surprised at the possibilities that you don't think are possible right now. Mm. Well, Adam Lambert, thank you again for coming to Nightline. It's, yeah. it's so nice to meet you and talk with you. And we wish you continued grace and safe travels. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Nice young man. Up next, the love, laughter, and joy as Milligan celebrate the Hindu Festival of Colors. Married moms in the suburbs. They've been called soccer moms. They've been called security moms. Pamela Wilk is a so-called soccer mom. Those so-called Walmart moms. She calls herself a hockey mom. I love those hockey moms. The hockey mom trying to connect with the soccer moms. In the 1990s, the idea of soccer moms as the quintessential swing voter took hold. Elections could be won or lost based on a candidate's ability to appeal to them. But were quote-unquote soccer moms actually the deciding factor? In a new series on the 538 Politics podcast, we take a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the campaign throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. And finally tonight, millions coming together to let their colors show. Here's Nightline's Ashen Singh. A 
day of unlimited fun for millions celebrating Holi, the Hindu festival of colors, marking the start of spring, new beginnings, and good triumphing over evil. The holiday most popular in and around India. But many finding ways to keep the festival spirit alive here in the U.S. Red Bharat is spreading the joy through music. The band embarking on their annual Festival of Colors tour. Why link this tour to Holi? The idea was, well, let's have this color kind of presenting itself through the different sounds of the diaspora. When people think about Indian music, they think about just Bollywood or Bhangra, and that's it. There's so much other stuff. Sonny Jane founding the Brooklyn-based group in 2008, blending modern and traditional music to create an electrifying sound. The idea was to be this identity of the South Asian American. Everyone in the band is bringing their own perspective. Up in Buffalo, Akurti Baberia, creating holy products and inspiring the younger generation with her business, Culture Kazan. In 2017, I had my first child. I'm like, how am I going to show my kid where I come from? Holy is about coming together, which is why moments like these are what she holds most dear. Oh! We're getting color everywhere. What's it mean? What's it mean to you? He's owning it. He's owning his heritage. He's owning his culture. This is a moment of pride for me. I'm seeing in front of my eyes that there is this next generation which wants to just celebrate and enjoy. Color, culture, family, what's not to like? Our thanks to Ashton. That's Nightline for this evening. Catch our full episodes on Hulu. We'll see you right back here same time tomorrow. Thanks for the company, America. Good night. Married moms in the suburbs. They've been called soccer moms. They've been called security moms. Pamela Wilk is a so-called soccer mom. Those so-called Walmart moms. She calls herself a hockey mom. I love those hockey moms. The hockey mom trying to connect with the soccer moms. In the 1990s, the idea of soccer moms as the quintessential swing voter took hold. Elections could be won or lost based on a candidate's ability to appeal to them. But were quote-unquote soccer moms actually the deciding factor? In a new series on the 538 Politics podcast, we take a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the campaign throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.